0: morning good afternoon good evening whenever and wherever you are this is not Dave kale welcoming you to the latest episode of the film, film project this is Trish Lambert the lotro maven or as the lotro players news called me the master of lotro there you go yeah there you go. I feel like I should walk crookedly with a with a <laughs> staff in my hand and <laughs> yeah um anyway this is cory olson that voice you hear talking to me that's cory Olson, the token professor and we are here for another episode of the film film project obviously minus dave but yeah yeah we will try to make it
1: We're, we will as usual try to soldier through while dave is off somewhere else being a responsible parent so um we are back for session number 22 of season four and this is i think gonna be our final Creative content sessions. So the sessions that we have been interspersing betwixt our discussions of the uh, of the, the plots of the episodes, um, in order to address various uh, creative conceptual issues um, uh, leading up to uh, the, uh, the 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 final episodes here. Um, so we're going to be we're going to be thinking then the primary topic for today, a topic we've been kind of uh, postponing for some time um, is um, dragons. There's, we need to, we need to, to have our, our, our final dragon discussion today. And then next time we'll go on and do episodes 11 and 12. So, all right. Um, Uh, So, uh, quick, before we begin, a couple quick announcements. We have our fall moots that are coming up. Uh, We have New England moot on Sunday, September 29th, and we have middle moot uh, on Saturday, October 12th, the first in Amherst, Massachusetts, and the second in Waterloo, Iowa. Um, so we have the beginning of our 2019 to 2020 uh, moot year uh, beginning here, and I am super excited to get back into regional moots, which I have uh, has really been one of the highlights of this past year for me, our first full year of uh, with our regional moot calendar. We did eight, I think, total moots last year, um, and uh, looking to uh, match that if we can and be, uh, uh, even be adding to it as we move forward. So, um, anyway, that's, uh, that's going to be really, um, uh, uh, that's going to be super fun. And of course, the first one is one of our new ones. Uh, finally, we have our New England moot together, um, where, uh, people have been asking me when I'm finally going to have a moot up here where I live, which you'd think would make it easier, but it doesn't. Um, anyway, so, uh, that's going to be, uh, th- that's going to be really cool. So come on, New England in, se- in late September, it's going to be great. Um, Anyway, so, oh, and last other announcement that I wanted to mention briefly is uh, classes start. So this coming uh, Monday, right, just in a few days, like four days from now, um, is the beginning of the fall semester at Signum. So uh, we have a new course for people who might want to, <laughs> who, excuse me, who might want to audit that course. Um, to do a premiere audit, um, our Germanic Myths and Legends class. Um, uh, so that's going to be a real... You know, we, we did a class on uh, on uh, uh, Norse stuff uh, before, but there was a lot of the, the sort of background legends and mythology that we didn't get to do uh, in that class. So this is uh, kind of coming back to those. And, you know, so many of these... So many of the stories which meant so much to Tolkien um, uh, are going to be uh, discussed uh, in that class, so it's going to be a wonderful opportunity. So that's one that you can audit. Uh, it's it's one of our new classes, so you can do you can do a live audit of the uh, uh, the lectures of that class. Of course, you could do a discussion audit as well, where you also participate in our discussion sections as well. So again, courses start up in Monday. So if you've been thinking about auditing, now is the time to uh, take action on that front. Um, all right. Let us talk about dragons. So the first dragon question we have is what's what should what should Glaurung look like? I almost called him Glorund uh, because, of course, that was his name in the Book of Lost Tales. Uh, the, the dra- that dragon has had many names, many changes or uh, 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 amendments uh, uh, to his name, and uh, uh, so sometimes I. Uh, call him uh, call him something else. But anyway, Glaurung. Uh so the biggest question, should he be more snake like, lizard like, or crocodile like?
0: Well, first of all I gotta say that the picture I think didn't Tolkien make that draw that one that's kind of in the upper right? The
1: uh, the, the bottom right I that... mean? Well so both of these two no. over here are his.
0: Uh I'm not seeing here. Wait, oh, maybe seeing... you're not seeing Oh hold on. Hold it all. on hold maybe I'm not. Oh yeah, hang okay. on a second.
1: Yeah, okay, sorry. I'm I should probably I know the people on I Twitch I was looking see at it, my own slides but the people <laughs> on GoToWeb <Webinar laughs> do go. not. So there we go. There we go. Okay, yes. There we go. Um
0: Okay. So I'm thinking it was the one over underneath the MythGuard uh logo. Not the one up in the title, but the one yeah.
1: yeah those two both of these two. Okay. Both of these two. So, so that the...
0: one up on the top to me just looks way too happy. Looks <laughs> like, he's smiling. <laughs> Doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, you
1: know. so <laughs> I
0: like the orientally one in the middle. I think that's a... I mean, that's spooky. That's scary. And imagine that thing talking to you the way Glaron talks. Oh, wow.
1: Right. So, here's the thing. I have to admit that I personally struggle with the dragon thing. Because I have myself never really liked the serpentine dragon i've never been a fan of serpentine dragons um that is just i don't know why it must have been it must just have to do with like the first um the 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 first books i read you know um I, that kind of shaped my imagination of what a of what a dragon what a proper dragon should look like mm-hmm. um And I suspect it's probably Dungeons & Dragons' fault, because Dungeons & Dragons dragons (laughs) were, I think, really kind of formed my basis for what a dragon should look like. Um, And those are not serpentine dragons uh, as a whole. And I've, I've never really liked the serpentine dragon. But here's the problem. Tolkien clearly does really like the serpentine right. dragon. Um, I yeah. mean, you know, this, again, this is this is a Tolkien illustration here, you know, in the middle right-hand side of the image. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this sort of coiled serpentine thing all coiled in on itself. Um, and
0: That's also kind of Celtic-like, right? A sort of Celtic-y design. Yeah, coiling yeah in exactly. On it. His
1: body seems to form a kind of Celtic knot, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Nahor, exactly. Nahor, uh, on the Twitch chat, you know, is talking about the the reference to worms, right? And yes, there is clearly... Right. Uh... I mean, the word worm, of course, means dragon. It doesn't mean earthworm yet. But there's a... I mean, especially in, uh, in The Hobbit, there's much play on that, you know? Um... Uh, so... Anyway, um... Let's see. And now people are sending me uh, sending me links which are challenging I, for me. Well, to it's navigate. funny they're doing
0: that because I was kind of looking at wingless dragons myself and there's quite a choice. Yeah. It's like the truth.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I mm-hmm. almost sent you a link but now I'm not going to. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Those people are sending you links. Yeah. Um, I do, you know. Hmm. Is Smaug... Smaug is a winged dragon, and is he going to have sort of the traditional dragon shape?
1: Well, see...
0: So I, I guess what I'm thinking about is, would there be an evolution okay. of, of body shape? or would It's, it be it's interesting, because now
1: that you mention that, I realize that one of the dragons that formed my own visual imagination of what a dragon should look like was Smaug, of course, right. from The Hobbit, and mm. I never envisioned Smaug, and I don't think I had any prompting for this. Like I don't think that there's anything. I'm trying. I'm try- I'm trying to think of like what else I was reading at that time when I was eight, which is when I first read The Hobbit, that would have influenced me uh, to picture Smaug. But I pictured that was long before I started playing Dungeons and Dragons, and yet. <laughs> Uh, When I first, like, looked at a monster manual and the pictures in the monster manual in in D&D, that fit the visual picture I had of Smaug, whereas Uh the kinds of dragons that Tolkien himself draws never did fit my picture uh, of Smaug. And I think one of the reasons... uh, I don't know, the description of the destruction of Lake Town. Always suggested to me a more ponderous body than the long, sinuous, serpentine thing. Again, right. like, now, this picture, the Celtic knot dragon, Trish, as you were describing, which I think is a great mm-hmm. description of him, um, clearly, I think the fact that he looks like a Celtic knot is like a little bit of a joke, right? I mean, right. It's, yeah, you know, I it's, agree. I, I, I think, I think there's, yeah. that picture is meant to be comical. Uh, I mean, look at his point. legs, too. I mean, right, exactly. So it's yeah. not like I, I think that we can look at this picture and be like, that. that's just how he pictured Smaug, <laughs> with those tiny little butterfly wings, you know, stapled onto his back. Like, yeah, no, I—I I, I, that's clearly not. Um, those wings are not going to make a... Uh, are, are not going to make a uh, a hurricane. Yeah, no. Right? Like Smaug no. describes his no. wings. Right. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's the... I get thinking about Smaug's description of himself, the hurricane from his wings, the um, the power of his tail. Like, there's clearly a great deal of mass behind his tail. I never imagined something serpentine and merely whip-like, right? Um, Because with like, and we know he has
0: scales, right? And we know he
1: has scales. And with the description, with the black arrow moment, right? Mm -hmm. When his Mm -hmm. uh, when his leg is flung wide. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and the, you know, the, the, the moonlight reflects on his, on his chest. Um, again, that seemed to be more like proper legs, you know, like, like real legs, more like this dragon in the lower left-hand corner is much more the body type that I imagined for Smaug and for dragons. I could see compromising with something like this one in the middle, this sort of bendy, more lizard-like, I guess, mm-hmm. um, dragon. Uh, so
0: that gold one in the center that looks actually, uh, somebody, as I think Nick said, the face looks like the Smaug from, uh, from uh, the Hobbit movie. He's got longer limbs. He looks almost like he's got almost like lion-like limbs.
1: Yes, yes. Um, I do like his limbs a little bit better um, than often the what always seemed to me rather perfunctory legs, which are often attached to, like, the serpentine Asian dragon. Um, uh,
0: right, right. Because those, I mean, like some of these, like, lizard-like dragons, they have lizard-like legs. They're very squat and, yes, you know, kind of off to the side. So, so I guess, Mike, I, is it worth asking the question, do we want there to be... The only word I can think of is evolutionary, but take that with a grain of salt. Right, Connection right. between Glaurung and Smaug.
1: Right. How? I different... don't know that we need to.
0: Yeah, I don't know yeah. that we need to necessarily because we've got the R&D thing going on, right? Exactly. So, I mean, Glaurung right. could be, a, you know, okay, we abandon that design and go for another design. So they don't necessarily have to.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. Well, so actually, let's take this discussion back a point already. Um, okay. Which is one of the first things that we have to decide, I think. Um, oh, wait, hang on a second. I was just realizing that Chris Graham has probably put his finger on the thing that influenced me. Aha! Dinosaurs. That's what influenced me. Oh, I'm, all, I'm okay. sure of it. I'm almost yeah. sure of it because I was big into dinosaurs when I was like five and six. I was huge yeah. into dinosaurs, um, and then I read Smaug, so it must be it. My my, my picture, my that mental picture sense. of Smaug has to have been influenced by dinosaur pictures and dinosaur body types that I knew. Right. It's not that he looked exactly like, but I think that's one of the reasons why. The like Asian really serpentine dragon doesn't
0: make sense. Didn't yeah,
1: resonate. Now with see,
0: me. I'm in the same boat because at the age of about four or five, my first dragon was Maleficent when she turns into a dragon in the Sleeping sure.
1: Beauty. animation. Right. right,
0: and that's that's a. You know, that's a Western Europe. That's dragon, a proper dragon. Right?
1: Yeah, no, exactly. That's a I, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I didn't grow up with that. I saw it comparatively late. I sort of missed it late, in my yeah, early probably. life. But, well, but, I, but I remember when the, the first boy, time I saw it, I found it a very satisfying dragon at the end, very much fitting my expectations in that way.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it did. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Anyway, so sorry. Thank you, Chris, for mentioning the dinosaur thing, because that absolutely, uh, I'm sure, must be what what, what influenced me there. Um, and, you know, uh, if
0: you think of the Welsh dragon, now the Welsh dragon has wings. But if you think of the Welsh dragon without wings, it still is kind of a lion-esque type body, right, in it's in its drawing.
1: Yeah. Well, let's see. Um, okay. So what, but what I was (laughs) going to say,
0: where he says Tolkien was spit at his grave. If we design his dragons based on Disney, don't tell him. (laughs) Yeah, don't tell That's right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It would be, if it ended up looking like the dragon in, in sleeping beauty, um, Oh oh, yeah, which of course the one Disney film we know for a fact he saw, um, then, uh, (laughs) then, uh, no, that would be a pure coincidence, pure coincidence. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, he did. But, Oh, yeah, sorry. He did. It was. It was. It, 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 it was Snow White. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. So it was, sorry. you're talking.
0: My, my you're favorite. talking to the to the expert here on that one.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. With C.S. Lewis. Snow okay, White is anyway. the one I was thinking. See, okay. Here's me making mistakes about Disney films.
0: Anyway. Well, he may have seen it. You know. I mean, he had a little girl in the household, so you never know. He Who may have we know
1: was Snow into White. the merch from uh, uh, Snow it White. Definitely. So. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So let us think then, as I say, sort of one step backward, and I don't mean historically or I kind of do, I, I mean cause and effect wise. So we need to make okay. a decision first about what exactly to, what dragons are, how they come to be exactly. Right,
0: Chris Graham actually asked kind of very point, pointed questions, very good questions right there. Yes, about exactly. That are they
1: independent creations of Morgoth or are they descended from a common ancestor? Now, we don't if we so so basically there are, there are, there are a couple of questions here, right? And these are like issues that we've discussed for other things, right? When we talked about werewolves and and and, right. and and other stuff, right? You know, you've got the um, is this an animal, which then gets sort of you know possessed or indwelt by uh, you know an evil spirit of cunning and power. Right. Or is it an evil spirit of cunning and power, which embodies itself or which Melkor embodies in a body of, you know, sort of their own construction? Um, you know, or, you know, something else. I mean, I don't think, um, we were having this conversation about wizards, weren't we? Primarily? Um, and with drag you know, we are we having a very similar conversation about wizards that was in this that was in Simfilm, film wasn't it i think so having my traditional problem where i can't remember which series i was having which discussion yeah. in but i think that was in Simfilm film, film uh, when we were talking about wizards and what the option for wizard what the options for wizards are um, i myself i tend to prefer the um the animal with like sort of uh possessed by the you know or the evil spirit being sort of forced into or 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 sort of trapped within uh embodied within uh the body of a beast um so cuz again so one question is does there need to be a beast? Are we starting with a beast? Just an animal, even if it's monstrous, right? Because remember, we've got still we've still got those you know those 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 monsters of 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 horn and and uh, you know all of those uh, Claw, beasts, yeah, right. Uh, that many of most of which were killed in that first battle, the the you know the war to begin all wars, but not all of them. I mean, we can always keep some of them around. Uh, <laughs> horn and hide. Yeah, that was the other word I was looking for, Marie. Thank oh, you. Yeah, horn and ride, yeah. Horn and something or other. I know those and they're, they have something else besides horns. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, right. Yeah, Nick points out that the watcher in the water seems to have uh, made it through. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, So when we show... To the extent that we do show anything of the dragon process, maybe we show the process later after the Gla- the uh, Glaurung reveal. That is when uh, when more dragons are being made down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, s- presumably, uh, as we know, dragons. Subsequent dragons, at least, do breed. Uh, And even Glaurung seems to breed. Therefore, it would seem that at some point, Melkor had to develop a Mrs. Glaurung for uh, breeding purposes. Um, Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, so Marie, Marie, we agreed that Melkor had access to prehistoric beasts in Season 1. Right. So certainly dragons could be based on dinosaurs. They don't have to be.
1: No, and when I say that, when I'm thinking about those old... Monstrous beasts and stuff that we had earlier on. I'm not using that to say like it should totally be you know a dinosaur body type that we're working off of. All I'm saying is, do we want to have? Are we imagining Melkor taking an animal and putting a spirit within it and modifying it perhaps in some ways, um, just as the orcs were physically changed as well, right? When when uh, when Morgoth took a hand there, um, or do we? are we more imagining the physical form of the dragon being kind of built from scratch? Do you see what I mean by that? Um, I I don't know that either choice necessarily forces us in one direction or another, um, because we could easily take a giant serpent, just a snake, like an enormous, monstrous snake, um, which is then invested with this powerful evil spirit, and... Uh, and, and which he then changes and it becomes, you know, uh, more powerfully armored. And of course, obviously it has now the spirit, uh, the, the strength of will and the cunning mind, uh, and the power of speech. Um, but, and of course the physical changes, so it could be a, you know, just, just a snake, like a giant snake, which he gives legs to, you know, and, and makes it, you know, shapes it so that it becomes not only a serpent or, um, we could, uh, we could have, um, we could have it be more a, 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 like I said, more of a dinosaurish type creature, um, something more lizard-like, something more in the giant lizard direction, um,
0: like a chameleon.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: With those eyes that go all over the place. I'm kidding.
1: Almost, but not much like that. Yes. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> uh, so- yeah.
0: Have we, this is probably, you guys are going to poo-poo this and boo me out of the room, but, I mean, could it be one of the Maya that follow Morgoth that volunteer and say, put me in, coach, put me in?
1: See, I to tend to think this. that Glaurung himself should be uh, a, ver- a a pretty high-ranking dude, you know, I don't think that Glaurung should just be a jump-up Right, up animal,
0: he's, not, he's not like a pet or something. N- yeah, right, he's...
1: exactly. No, he's... Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, I, Glaurung is minimum, cool. right? Minimum on the sort of social par of, you know, Tevildo and Draugluin and Thuringuethil. Right. Right? Um, right. Maybe not quite at the Sauron level, or, but not far below him. But pretty cl-
0: yeah, pretty close, I yeah, would think.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, I mean,
0: I think that would make it pretty interesting. And also, you know, a Maya would have that kind of ability to persuade and enchant and all that stuff, you know? I mean, all the stuff that he does is pretty, pretty Maya-ish.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, I mean, certainly the the level of intelligence and deviousness, and that, that, uh, the whole the force of will, right? This is not just mm-hmm. Glorung Gla- is not just sentient, you know. Like th- it's not just that this is a rational creature that can talk to you, right? I mean, he has a powerful will which he imposes on others, right? To look into his eyes is to risk, right? Uh, I mean, you know, and, and of course we we see. You know the distant echo of this, um, you know, in the uh, you know the very different frame of the Hobbit, right? With Smaug's rather overwhelming personality, right? That that's an element of dragon lore, which clearly Tolkien was incorporating. This idea of the the effect of the presence of the dragon and its ability to enchant and even to some extent to dominate your will, right? Um, as like he just. Glaurung absolutely lays the, the whammy down on Nienor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, uh, and, 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 and on Turin as well, right? When right. He, when Turin is like frozen there and you know all this stuff happens while he is like locked in immobile and things.
0: Um, I think Nick has a really good idea because it reminds me of what we did with Shelob, where we had Shelob originally in a different form. We met her in a different form. Um, he said, wouldn't it be cool if we introduced the character and watch his development into the guy who becomes Glaurung. So it's, so like this Maya is in a different form and then he is the one that inhabits this, this new body or whatever you want to call it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, was a joke. I thought it was a good idea.
1: <laughs> it is a good idea. The only issue, of course, is that uh, it's a little late we'd in the game to... Now, the other thought have I had, and this
0: is re- i of really out there, is, yeah. you know how when Saruman dies, we got the little wind, the thing comes up, and the wind blows it away. Okay, Glauron dies, something kind of similar happens, and lo and behold, when Smaug, when we see Smaug, there are some things that Smaug says that make us think, hmm... That's interesting, I wonder mm. if it's the same Maya hmm
1: hmm whoa
0: now that's that might be like whoa. way too far away from the canon to do, yeah, but well
1: I Because here's of... the other thing, so here's my I have uh philosophical issues <laughs> with tolkien's dragons, I have to admit, um, and when I say issues, I mostly mean in a like i don't get it manner, not. In a like, I disagree with it manner. Um, so here's my problem. My problem is um, uh, my problem is that they breed intelligent children, right? Mm-hmm. We only have one example of. An embodied Maya who breeds and who begets creatures like unto himself in, like, spiritual kind. You see what I mean? Um, Who are you talking about? Uh... Uh, I'm talking about um, Melian, (laughs) right? Uh, Oh, you really threw me with that. With the beginning, yeah. Exactly, (laughs) right? Yeah, sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Because I'm thinking of Glaurung. But Melian is the only example that we have um, of somebody who breeds successfully that way.
0: Sentient children, because Shelob
1: breeds. Exactly. Now, Shelob's children are. They can talk, right? They have. They're the rational, right? Um, I, and I don't know, maybe it's not different with Smaug. You know, maybe it's not different.
0: Um, oh, you mean as a, as an offspring?
1: Right. Is is Smaug to Glaurung really... I, I feel like it's different. I feel like Smaug to Glaurung is different than Mirkwood Spiders to Shelob. That right. feels different to me. Uh, but maybe it's not, maybe it's not as different as I think it is. Um, well,
0: that's one of the reasons I was kind of in love with this idea of a, a, a weakened Maya, the Maya that was in Glaurong becoming weakened as a result of dying. And then eventually, you know, Smaug is that because then, you know, like nobody said on Caligon, the black was smart. He's just a dragon. Nobody right. talked about it. He doesn't talk that we know no. of. Well, right? he doesn't
1: get any lines, but he's not around for all that long. <laughs> um,
0: but I mean, there's no intimation that anybody other than Glauron and Smaug actually speak. Or right. Have, but like, again, smart. the fact that
1: Smaug does is the thing that to me implies it because he's a distant right. descendant. And so presumably he's not like a freak who like, alone can talk of all. I mean, I think all the other worms talk too. No, in fact, we know they have to because all of the. You know, think of all the sayings that Bilbo has gotten from his dad, you know, all the uh-huh. stories that he's heard about <laughs> yeah. dragons, all of which imply the same kind Did of they talk? thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, um, yeah, exactly. So the same thing. we're talking about
0: then its ancestry. I mean, it's this is like he will be the father of all dragons, basically. Kind
1: of. Yeah, no, Glaurung will be the father of all dragons. I like Rhiannon's suggestion that Mrs. About, Glaurung is yeah. just a monstrous animal. Yeah. And cause that that's explicitly what we know um shelob did, right? You know, right. shelob mated with other monst other monstrous right. creatures in spider form and there's no clear sense that they were um right. you know, sentient, sentient or like she. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um But yeah, so no, I would think that he... He probably had to take a
0: shower after. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. Actually, I figured Gladwell probably had a harem.
1: Right. (laughs) You know... I'm not sure I'm wanting to picture this. Actually, <laughs> uh, I think I think I think I've, I've, I think I've approached as close to the details. Okay, of this situation. as far as we want to go with really that. As far as we want right? to go. Okay. Okay. Why um, Dave,
0: Dave should be sorry he missed this. Yeah, uh, he
1: really will. Yes, as Marie says, let, let, let us draw, draw a veil man. over yeah. the actual breeding program okay. itself. But yes, the okay. so okay, the the breeding with you know, if Mrs. Glaurung is a is a is an, an another animal of the kind, of the species that is the originator of Glaurung before right, he was invested right. with power. Right. Um, that would make sense. And it would also make sense of why th- his offspring are lesser than he. They yeah. would have some right. of his spirit in them. But, I mean, I think we just mm-hmm. have to run with that. So, Because let's think about this. We get so few examples of creatures of this kind breeding. Um, except that's not quite true, is it? Glaurung, or not Glaurung. dragluin breeds. He's the father of werewolves. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right. So, um, and Robert, I was thinking of the eagles too. We don't know about the eagles. We, we normally... don't really
0: talk about that. I think we assume that Therongil is an ancestor of the eagles at the
1: Carrick, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, I I always assume. I mean, but we don't know, right? We don't know whether or not, like, the eagles of Manway were they always plural? Like, did he just make a bunch of? Is Thorin the greatest of the pack of eagles? Mm-hmm. Pack probably mm-hmm. not the right word. But you know the the the. But you don't have a flock of eagles though. That doesn't make any sense either. What's the word? There's is there a collective noun for eagles? I don't even know. They're solitary birds. Oh, so no, you know, they're solitary.
0: It. I think but, you
1: do packs. Um, Squadron of eagles? Is that seriously, Robert? Is that is that is that really the word for it? That's kind of awesome if it is. Anyway, that would be cool if it was. So does, um, um, does Manway make a? It's just a suggestion. I like it. I like it. Um, so d- does he make an entire squadron <laughs> of eagles? Um, they
0: do air shows at the at the yearly festival.
1: <laughs> but the the. <laughs> The first Eagle Squadron, you mean? Yeah,
0: yeah. They do a formation. <laughs> you know, they do like tricks in the air and stuff.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Wait, Steven says the plural of eagles is convocation. Well, that's interesting. No, seriously. Really? Convocation? No, Reality? According to Wikipedia, according yeah. to
0: is a convocation. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that's kind of cool. I, right. I like that
1: convocation.
0: Yeah, um, we will have to remember that because that should be the name of one of our episodes that have eagles, a lot of eagles in it, like later. Should on you should mention convocation. Convocation, yeah. absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I like that, of course, especially with the connection of, learned, Manway, the idea of Manway. I just learned that. I did not semi- know that. them all together, right? Yeah. Anyway, so okay, so my, but again, but the, but the question is, does Manway like the first generation of Eagles? Is is Thorondor, is, is it just Thorondor at first, and then he begets the other eagles? Or does Manway start with the whole convocation of eagles? Well, the,
0: the trend seems to be you start with some, you know, father. You know, you got Durin, you got Thorondor, you got Glaurung, you got Shelob. It's like there's a single, you know, there's not even a couple, it's just one. Right. And then they have kids, so I don't know. I mean, right. Well, I this would...
1: whole breeding with non-sentient animals thing seems to be... You know, like a thing. What you do, right? You know when you're when you're a solitary, you know, <laughs> magical you're creature, a smart like animal. Yeah, exactly. Just, <laughs> not exactly online dating sites. You know, for no, creatures worries. in that situation. Um, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. And by the way, uh, the answer to the question is: Guy here a first age creature. Yes. Yes, he is. Um, is he? Oh, yeah. oh okay. Why here, Landreval and Mineldor are there. Are like, all first that, stage? Like the the same eagles, the exact same eagles that pick wow. up Frodo and Sam from awesome. Mount Doom pick up Baron and Luthien from the Gates of Angband. I've um, met those eagles. I've done stuff for them. There those you eagles. go. I know, right? It's so fun <laughs> to meet them in game, and it's yeah. such a celebrity moment. Awesome. Um, but um, yeah, okay. So, Robert, I agree. It does seem. Uh, and Robert's a great way to say it. Based on all these things that we've been reviewing, it does seem that sapience is inheritable yes, I agree. in artists. spiders, eagles, dragons, and ants. Um, now, ants, no, I mean, we have to put ants in the same category because they're the direct parallel to the eagles, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I tend to think that the dragons are something like a direct parallel to uh, the eagles, right? In fact, I kind of like the idea of, uh, I mean, we wouldn't exactly show this, but. Th- you know Thorondor shows up when Thorondor shows up um well no he Thron- wasn't met yeah. him before cuz we did have <laughs> eagles involved funny. in the first battle right didn't we in the first age we had eagles involved there uh, uh Yes during... I, we did i believe oh, Yes, yeah, we, we, we did okay yes, we right. did. yeah so all right cuz i was thinking if uh i was forgetting that so i was thinking hey if Thorondor rescuing Mithros and uh uh and Fingon is the first time Melkor sees him then that would be an interesting like yeah, you know him taking notes and and saying, "I'm going to make me one of those." Except,
0: yeah, I want one know, of those. Hey, I want to just commend you for your graciousness. And when I called Thorondor, Thorongil, you didn't say anything. <laughs>
1: hey, you know, it's, it's like a oh, goodness. Thorongil,
0: Thorondor, <laughs> you know, it's potato, pretty much, potato. It's pretty much, <laughs> exactly,
1: pretty much
0: the same thing. Um, so, but another thing, and I think we're saying this, but I just want to like be explicit about it. Okay, so we've talked about Glaurong being pretty darn close to Sauron in terms of with yes. his station, right? Yes. So this means that this is not an R&D project of Mel- of Morgoth, right? I mean, or it is to an extent, but then he becomes his own agent yes. at some
1: point. Yes. Right? He becomes... Yeah, and I would say from that
0: point on, his, out, his offspring would also be independent agents.
1: Yes. And okay. not always super cooperative ones. Really. Right. 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 I mean, even Glaurung himself is kind of, you know, going off the script uh, to some extent, I think. And he's
0: kind of a mercenary by the time we see him the second time, isn't he? I mean, well, he's like he I mean, promised gold and, you know, stuff. Well, he's stuff. setting himself... He for I, himself. I, don't know if,
1: I don't know if I'd say mercenary, but certainly... Um,
0: Warlord is what makes. Yeah,
1: sense. I mean, he's wanting to set up on his own and you know become that become a dragon king. So I mean, when he sets up in Nargothrond, he is um, uh, he is doing. He's. It's not like he's you know, rebelling against Melkor or something at that point, but he is kind of doing his own thing, you know, and. Right. Uh, uh, and I could easily imagine we don't have any direct evidence in the text that, like, Morgoth is, you know, sending him messages like, dude, I told you to go do this other right. thing. Why are you still in Nargothrond? You know, like, we don't know that he's actually deviating from the script. Exactly. But it seems pretty clear that he's pleasing himself, you know, at right. that point in the story. and In, certainly in contrast to
0: Sauron, who's got his little island, but he still is very much... Morgus. Yes. You know,
1: Lieutenant, ally. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Um, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. Okay. By the way, visually, I
0: definitely am in love with having there be certain aspects of how Glaurung is a Nargothrond, like maybe he winds himself around the gold or something that we echo.
1: And Smaug. Oh, yeah. In the oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. No, we need to be very. Those are our two big dragons with very their nuanced moments. Things. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Now, I mean, needless to say, in the Silm film, in Silm film, we're totally going to do Scot of the Worm. Uh, you know, we're not skipping <laughs> over that story when we get there. So we'll have other dragon horde moments, conceivably. Um, oh, good. Okay. But but you're absolutely right. These are the two big ones, and so yes, mm-hmm. I think that we should be sort of and, and I
0: should about uh, that. mention to Phil Menzies that Smaug's theme should have little touches of Glaurung's theme in it for the music.
1: Yes, sure, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, Rhiannon is asking a really interesting question. If Glaurung is a Maya, which of the Valar did he serve before joining Morgoth? And she suggests Mandos. Oh, interesting. That's very interesting. I was, interestingly, Rihanna. my first thought when I saw your question was actually Lorien. Because of the kind of uh, uh, uh oh, what's the word? Uh, psycho, um,
0: spell equals dreams, enchantment,
1: I can't I'm even think reading. of the word. Um, uh, yeah.
0: Neurolinguistic programming. Psycho-
1: the word The word that means like leading the mind around. Psycho. Uh, no, not psychotropic. Uh, uh, darn it! There's a word for this and I can't remember the word. Um, you have at least three people looking it up on Google okay, yes, at the moment. exactly. Anyway, I know there's a word <laughs> and at some point most of the time, I know that word, um, but anyway, yes, because of his the that mental actually makes sense.
0: Of him. Yeah, 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 you're right. because I actually even been thinking Yavana because of the animal piece, but no, 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 I think either you know Lorian or Mandos is an interesting idea too.
1: Yeah, Mandos is an interesting idea. I'm trying to think of what would, um, what would a Maya of my what do the Maiar of Mandos do? Like, what's your like a day in the life of like of you know one of the um, one of predictions one hundred and one? Yeah, like, do they do they prophesy themselves? Are they
0: do they practice you know declaring d- their dooms?
1: <laughs> right. They they can't be very talkative, <laughs> you'd think, right? I mean, it's a relatively That's true. yeah. Um,
0: That's true. Well, they would have work to do inside Mandos, the location itself, in terms of, you know, welcoming, they'd have to onboard, you know, newly dead elves, give them an orientation, show them around. Uh,
1: yeah, orientation services, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, yeah.
0: Cleaning the halls, dusting the tapestries. <laughs>
1: Somebody's gotta
0: dust those tapestries. That's no question. Right.
1: No question.
0: Right. Um, Inventing ironic purgatorial duties for bad elves. I love it. Right. You guys are you guys are hot yeah. tonight. This that's is right.
1: good. And Rachel, absolutely looking serious and saying everything like a proclamation. That's part of the orientation session for the mire as they're coming in, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, like Mandos won't take you if you can't do like a, a like serious and portentous face, right? Uh, I mean, that's it's uh, like in the entrance <laughs> exam.
0: Our, I think Mando's is is Idris Elba or Mando's. I can't remember. I know we have him as a as a Valor, but I can't uh, Valor, but I can't remember if it's. I think it's Idris Elba, isn't it?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, yes, yes, that's right. Gosh, season yeah. one casting. That seems like forever ago. Um, I know. Can't believe I remember that. Uh, you realize that season one casting. More time. I think that more time has passed since we did season one casting than the entire run of Riddles in the Dark. <laughs> Just think about that. Um, <laughs> anyway, okay, so. But I know,
0: I'm pretty sure it's interesting because I, I remember having this mental image when we decided he was going to Mandos. I literally had a mental image of him delivering the Doom of Mandos. It was like, that yeah, would yeah. be awesome.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. That's great. Okay. Um, but yeah, I kind of like Lorian. I don't know that it necessarily... Uh... Yeah, you're
0: right, Rihanna. Tapestry reading would be one of the things that they would do.
1: Yep, sure. Sure. Um, do you like Lorian
0: better than Mando's?
1: I think I do. I think I do, mostly because it's what I like about the kind of and, uh, there's there seems to me a very attractive anti-parallel between what Glaurung does to people and what Lorien does to people right you know mm-hmm. Lorien mm-hmm. is the place of dreams and rest and healing right where you come to enter this you know space of peace and of health uh, and of, of 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 growth and and of recuperation um to uh so you're kind of taken out of yourself Right? Mm-hmm. And taken into a place of, again, like peace, comfort. Uh, Glaurung takes people out of themselves too, but he takes them out of themselves in order to put them in a place of like horror and confusion. Uh, right. And, you know, the way that he brings not only. Um, I mean, he is, I mean, you know, certainly in Neonor's case, and even you could argue in Turin's case he is like the bringer of, you know, psychological disease, you know, disorder. Um, in, right. You know, so he, he is, he is associated with like the unwellness of the mind, you know, um, uh, in a, a way which, um, um, yeah, um, exactly. So I, I, that's why I, 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 I kind of like that, um, I kind of like that that parallel. In some ways, it's perhaps almost too much on the nose, but, I, but it's okay, I don't mind that. Um, you know, the, the kind of simple reversal that that would be, especially since Lorian gets so little play anyway. Um, that yeah, kind that's of true. Remember what Lorian does is not a terrible moment here. No, that's uh, true, that's uh, true. Not a terrible thing to do. And hey, it gives uh, uh, Phil an opportunity to uh, you know, bring out his Lorian dust off his Lorien theme, which uh, that's right. You know, that's the, right. Uh, uh,
0: so I, I'm a little, stu- just a itty bitty still stuck on the Eagles. Let me just ask this question. So do you, okay. we think oh, Lauren knew those guys over in, uh, which am You have. know, like, yeah. So they were buddies from back then. Right. I mean, that's how he knows them.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. Had to have had to have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which does really put, uh, Gandalf's friendship with the Lord of the Eagles into context, right? They go way, <laughs> they way, go way back. back. Yeah, <laughs> way back. We've been hanging since, like, you know, the Timeless Halls, basically. Yeah, you know, right. At, yeah, uh, the music.
0: Yeah. Right. I, well, I, yeah, not quite. Well, maybe no. Nope. After the music, but yeah. 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 yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: Okay. Um, yes. Exactly. So okay. Uh. So we have. So I think we need to. Now we've done this already once with Bulldog, right? In the case of Bulldog, and I guess we did it before too with Draugluin. Maybe did we do Werewolf creation on screen? I don't remember if we did Werewolf creation on screen, but I know that we did uh, the we, we did Bulldog. We right? did. So we, did. we already have precedent for um, which which. So the Bulldog precedent has established the fact that there are various other spirits, other dudes, right, lesser than Sauron, who are allies with and helpers of Morgoth. We're not following all of them, right, but uh, uh, and we don't even see all of them, necessarily. Um, But there's um, there's more people involved there, right? Um, uh, Okay, so bringing forward another one of them, like we brought forward one who was Bulldog, um, bringing forward another one who's going to become Glaurung. Not impossible, right? You know, we have some precedent for that. Um, we'd want to make it look a little different, of course, but that's not too hard given the difference between Bulldog and uh, Glaurung, right? Uh, Glaurung right. is so much more of a free agent than Bulldog. Bulldog is, uh, is uh, you know, like the the ultimate thug soldier, right? So he is, uh, really just designed to be a captain of the armies. Um, uh, whereas the sort of relationship or, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, dialogue with Glaurung, uh, in the recruitment process would be more complicated. Um, Yeah, Rhiannon suggests Glaurung could be a new convert to Morgoth to explain why he wasn't in earlier seasons. Rhiannon, one of the things that I like about that is that I like the idea of that being non-static. We need to to show that, right? That's a good point. I mean, like we know, for instance, Saruman, right, very famously is going to, you know, we're going to see him fall into evil. So it is certainly not like, you know, everybody who's ever going to, ally himself with Morgoth is already there. Right. Uh, you know, so yes, the idea that there are people who are joining the dark side, uh, all the way through progressively, it's not a bad idea, I think to remind our audience that that's a thing that happens. Um, yeah. Now, Stephen, uh, uh, Steven, uh, is asking about the process being secret and stuff. Keep in mind, I'm not yet talking about what we show. All of this stuff that I'm talking about here, I am talking about, are imagining what happens. Right then, we can make the decision about how much we actually want to put on screen. So right. for now, I don't want to. I, I, I'm just trying to think about the process itself, and not. Uh, but and then we can think about that process afterwards. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's imagine he's a new convert. Um he's a new convert from lorien's crew, and he's and i and actually Rihanna, the other thing that I really like about that is that he's gonna be a pretty major hitter right i mean he's gonna like i said i mean i think he's right um he's right below gothmog and sauron right gothmog and Sauron have been the two primary you know, uh the primary lieutenants of, of Morgoth and Glaurung is gonna be, you know, not quite at their level, but just below their level and above the level of like the other Balrogs or of um, you know, Thorangwethel and Draugluen. So, um Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> Nick says he strikes me as the sort of guy who might even have left Irmo out of boredom. Um yeah. This place is (laughs) lame. I'm blowing this place. Going over to Middle-earth where it's fun. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Um, Yeah, Chris Graham is suggesting maybe he was converted to Morgoth during the time when Morgoth was freed in Valinor. Certainly, that's a good opportunity. Um, Yeah, Nick, having a, a... some kind of flashback incident, you know, maybe at the start of an episode or something where we show, you know, the early history of the, you know, the conversion process of, of, you know, Maya Glaurung, um, could totally, um, could totally work. Um, I could see us doing that. Maybe you choose not to do that, but, uh, but I could imagine our choosing to do that later on in order to show more clearly, Who he is and who he comes from. Because, of course, one of the risks of not showing any of this in advance of having the real surprise of Glaurung that we were talking about is um, that one of the downsides, as I say, um, is that he the risk is he's just going to look like a monster. He's going to look like a beast in that first encounter. Right by the end of season four, when he comes breaking out, and he—the thing we have to be careful of—is to not make it just look like he's an irrational Mm -hmm. animal, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, well, but but again, we will talk about the disclosure of this stuff, about the reveal afterwards. But first, let's just work it out ourselves. Okay, so we've got. So I like this idea. We've got this—you know—the Maya who will become Glaurung, and he is. A Maya of Irmo in Lorien, and he comes over to Morgoth relatively recently. Uh, Marie suggests maybe he was impressed by the eclipse or something. Yeah, maybe he sees what uh, uh, Morgoth is doing in Hildorian and is interested in that. I don't know. Um, but anyway, okay, so Glaurung, Glaurung is in the fold. And,
0: and, and we need to
1: be seeing some g- dragonish
0: stuff, like greed or at least the start of it, right? Yes. You think? The things I
1: mean... which are like, the dragon sickness elements, right? Those things right, which right. are exactly. archetypally, characteristically, you know, signature dragon things do need to be signatures of of Glaurung's character. Of his
0: personality. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. Those, have, those should all be ways in which dragons are taking after their father. Absolutely. Um, so, okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Rihanna not surprised it took this long. Rihanna was saying that Glaurung could explain how he was converted to Morgoth's side to Angrod, and that's uh, uh, you
0: know, <laughs> that's <good. laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I am surprised it took that long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, now, uh, Chris, I agree. Uh, I agree that Glaurung should be, is his dragon name and he should probably have a different name when he is a Maya that, that yes. he undergoes a name change absolutely should happen. I'm calling him Glaurung just for now, because that's how we think of it, right. but yes, the I would be totally, I think if you guys wanted to come up with a Maya name for him, um, uh, like back when he was a Maya of, of Irmo, uh, that would be, that would that
0: be, be kind of cool too. That would might be a, um, like a light side, a translation of some quality of his that in fact, on the dark side turns into dragony stuff. Does mm-hmm. that make sense?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, we do need to make sure that there's a sensible, uh, you know, kind of, uh, uh, root of those things, right? Um, That he doesn't just... Again, this is one of the things that we've been trying to do well so far in the film project, which is to show falls well, um, to show how they make sense, you know, how a person can do it, um, not to do the, like, I'm going to just embrace being evil and, you know, suddenly start killing the younglings, right? We need need to, to be more thoughtful than that so yeah thinking about his backstory more we do need to think about his character before but I, wanna, I don't want to get too distracted with that right now um, because yeah. one way or the other that's so not coming up in this season I think like whatever we do with Glaurung we're not getting his full backstory in this season like I just don't right. unless we wanted to do an aside you know unless y'all decide that like episode 12 would be great to start that way or whatever I, I don't really see the need but um, anyway okay so we don't do that for now um, so, ooh, but Rhiannon had a good suggestion, which I'll just mention, um, that, uh, maybe, uh, it was desire for the Silmarils. Ooh, interesting. That would lure him to Morgoth after, It like, certainly would. Not necessarily, you know, and maybe he could even be trying to convince himself that he would, maybe he was coming to maybe he came to Middle-earth first to him, you know, it's telling himself that he was going to try to, like, take steal back the Silmarils. Yeah. Right? So he was convincing himself that he was, like, a double agent and he was going to come over and he was just... It was still all for the greater good and he was going yeah, to return to Yeah, very ring-like. Yeah, yeah he was going to return to Valinor with the Silmarils and, you know, hand them over to, you know, and, and and, you know, and it was going to be great. But, of course, like... Really, it was his own personal desire for the Silmarils that was really driving him, and he was fooling himself. And Morgoth plays on that. And um...
0: I think Nick, the obsession with treasure starts before the transformation, and it gets amplified.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I. That's what I'm thinking. That like the His, because everyone loves the Silmarils. Who doesn't love the Silmarils? Right. I mean, all <laughs> of the Valar and the Maiar admire the Silmarils and think they're wonderful. Right. So there's there's nothing evil right. about that. Right. Um, but, um,
0: uh, Exactly, Chris, the original dragon sickness. The, the original
1: yeah. dragon sickness. Exactly. So to have, um, yeah, to have there to be, I mean, I, I really kind of like it. If think about what, uh, and of course the, the, the classic moment that everyone is familiar with, with this kind of thing is Eustace in the voyage, of the Dawn Treader. Right. Right. Um, it is. And, it, and that of course is, is echoing, uh, Fafnir, uh, from, you know, originally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from Norse mythology, but the whole original concept is that, like dragons aren't just associated with the desire, the greedy desire for treasure. It is the greedy desire for treasure that turns you into a dragon in the first yes. place. Right. Yes. Um, so if we could kind of show that, if we kind of parallel that, um, you know, that his own spirit becomes dragonish, right. Um, yeah. uh, in that same way so that we can, we can, we can kind of, make that, um, um, make that parallel. So the Glaurung spirit is like, uh, you know, used to scrub done in much higher proportions, basically. Um, right. Anyway, okay. So that's awesome. So here I was trying to change the topic, Rhiannon, but then you came in with this brilliant suggestion, uh, right in time. So there you go. Uh, anyway, okay. So let's, so let's imagine that. So he comes over, Morgoth says, Hey okay well this is interesting because of course we are just discovering that um orcs unaided are totally not going to do the trick right we had this plan This didn't work out um uh I really want to up our game over here I've been looking at those eagles and thinking that that looks like a good idea I've heard stories about these ents that seems like a good idea too um so um let's um so let's do this let's see if we can uh if we and and and, and it would be in a sense, you could see this as a progression, right? Droglúin being the, the the first kind of necromantic experiment by Sauron, right? He's the first the the Lord of Werewolves. So, Droglúin is like, you know, uh, in uh, version 1.0 of this sort of project, right? Bulldog then becomes version 2.0 of this project, right. and then Glaurung is 3.0. So, he is much... Greater, right? You know, so having having done this already a couple times, now Morgoth wants to step it up more. And of course, this could be another opportunity to show Morgoth weakening himself, right? Investing much of his own spirit um, into um, into Glaurung itself. And by the way, yeah, that's true. I would also, I could also see it as a very. a very Morgoth kind of thing to do, he would know that the spirit Glaurung wants the Silmarils for himself, Mm -hmm. that he Mm -hmm. lusts for the Silmarils. And he, Morgoth, would have no truck with that, right, because he has claimed the Silmarils for himself. So on the one hand, he would exploit Glaurung's desire for the Silmarils in order to complete his corruption, right? Right. But then after he's completed his corruption, I think he would want to punish him for seeking, Mm -hmm. for desiring, you know, for his Mm -hmm. intention to steal the Silmarils from Morgoth. And so I would think that Morgoth, as a kind of punishment, retribution, right, putting Laurung in his place, would Mm -hmm. in the moment when he becomes a dragon, would like fill him with this, you know, basically be cursing him, right? With this Mm -hmm. never ending, this like this never ceasing desire in lust for treasure. Um, which will without, never be filled never be satisfied.
0: right? What, is that right? Without mm-hmm. surcease. Yeah, is exactly. Is that the right way of <laughs> Exactly, yes.
1: Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah uh, I like
1: that. Yeah.
0: It's, uh, completely, like, in line with just what Morgoth would do.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that would be, um, exactly. JJ says, if any punishment could be greater than seeing them in Morgoth's hand. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, Yes. Uh, Now, Rhiannon asks, where would the fire breathing come from? That's an excellent question. Maybe, Rhiannon, maybe that is... Maybe that's Morgoth's gift. Maybe that's how we can show Morgoth investing himself, right? Um, The evil will, the uh, manipulation of other minds, the manipulation and domination of other minds, all of that stuff—that's like Glaurung's native thing, right? That's his native right. power. Um, the fire, the the association with fire, the breathing of fire is so. What? That would
0: be the piece of Morgoth, yeah. so, like yeah, the piece that that's Morgoth, the piece of Morgoth
1: that he about, puts yeah. that he puts into him. Especially since, yes, we were suggesting that Morgoth uh, was primarily associated with yeah. fire uh, before. Um, that 's going to be Nick, an awesome I like scene. that Nick says we could do Morgoth breathing fire into him like a twisted version of God breathing life breathing into, life into uh, br- breathing yeah. the breath of life into the nostrils of adam i I like that I like that a lot
0: The scene is going to be awesome morgoth 's going to have some awesome dialogue in this, yeah you know I mean I could just see him doing this almost like you know you you th- you know you thought you could come and do this and I was on to you the whole time, and now this is going to happen to you, and the curse is going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, to and, and and that would be at the end, right? So he would, yes, he would start off with just like right, what, like blessing upon blessing, like I shall be yes, so. strong, and I shall, you shall, you know, unleash fire, and you know, you shall have my fire, which you shall unleash on our enemies, and and you shall be, you know, one of the the the, the greatest of my servant, and then as a writer, right. He's like, right, oh, and P.S., right. I curse you with this oh, unquenchable the <laughs> desire, you know, which you will never fulfill. And yeah, yeah, exactly. That's um, right. For
0: even having the least thought of taking the Silmarils.
1: Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Um, yes. Um, uh, and Nick, exactly. It does explain how Morgoth and Glaurung are not, like, <laughs> on the same page from day one, right? I mean, like, w- what we're going to see at the end of season four is Glaurung misbehaving, right? Uh, you know, so uh, uh, yes, definitely. Definitely. Michael
0: is crossing the streams here. He says, breathing <laughs> fire is got spiritual boulders.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Just as Gandalf <laughs> amplified the flood with the spiritual boulders. So that, that is exactly perfect parallel, Michael. Um, uh, yeah. I had to explain the spiritual boulders to Matthias this oh, yeah. week because people oh, you did? Are, people have made a, a couple spiritual boulders jokes in the chat during his stream, and he was so confused. Oh, I'm like, oh, let me confused. explain the whole spiritual boulders thing. Yeah, anybody uh, that hasn't
0: explored Lord of the Rings, it, there yeah. I think there's several episodes actually that cover the spiritual boulders. Th-
1: there are. It comes up a couple times. It's it, 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 it it's it's a. Fort of Bruin, in the flood at the Fort of Bruin, it is
0: going issue. to stick to you like that poor dead Hugh gonna stick to Grifflet. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, cool. Um, Excellent, <laughs> Marie is saying she spent this session making jewelry, probably for the first time in my life, and she's now going to get a complex about this. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> maybe we shouldn't, Marie. Have chosen this episode to talk about, you know, the lust of treasure and, uh, yeah, yeah. You're, don't. It's okay, Marie. You won't turn into a dragon. Probably, you probably won't turn into a dragon. Um, but um, okay, cool. So, all right, so. Where was I? Oh yeah. So we're, I'm I'm getting a clearer picture here. So okay. So Morgoth has the guy, right? Morgoth has his, so this. So he's got the spirit, and he finds a beast, right? He finds the, and he, he does the thing, right? Where he you know he embodies the volunteer spirit, who is not right. yet named Glaurung, and he in, and he embodies him in the body of this creature. Now. What does this creature um, look like, and what does he um, what does he look like uh, and how much does he change because he can change physically um, he can change physically at the moment of transformation there um
0: You're talking about the beast itself could change. The beast
1: itself can physically change, yes. So we don't have to have, like, an exactly Glaurung the dragon-shaped beast, which then just gets invested with mind and will. Um, uh, This can be, you know... I mean, I wouldn't want it to be something like, you know, he takes a perfectly mundane garden snake and, like, transforms it into a dragon. Like, you know, I'm not saying something like that, but... um, (laughs)
0: I was thinking it would already be a big beast of some kind, right? Large. I mean, like size wise, it would be still big, right?
1: Well, okay. So let's, as we're making a final decision, as we're finally pushing to a final decision on the question we started with this episode with namely what will Glaurung look like? What will dragons look like in general? Um, let's make sure we think through here what they need to do so we can think more about their body type. We need them to be able to pummel and destroy Lake Town, right? You know, we need them to be able to be large and strong enough that they could single-handedly take out Erebor, right? Right. We need them to be sufficiently long of body that he can kind of hump himself across the, the chasm where Turin is underneath, right? Uh-huh. Um, now, we can contrive that in different ways, you know, manipulating the chasm. But, um, yeah, it has to have really thick hide that resists piercing. It does need scales. It needs... Do we want does it he... to be... So Glaurung on the battlefield. And Nick, this comes back to that comment. Does he move swiftly?
0: Is he a fast mover on the ground? That's
1: exactly the thing. I don't think we want... So, most of the time, I have to admit that most of the time he is described, I get the impression of him rather lumbering than quick. Um... (laughs) I mean, most of the time we see him, m- most of the time we see him moving, he's not super fast. He can move quickly. Like, I'm thinking of the, when Turin stabs at him, he pulls himself back really quickly. Uh, you know, like he dodges. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that he has to be fleet of foot. He does run ahead of the flames in the Dagor Bragalakrianon, but there he can build up ahead of steam. That doesn't, uh, you know, he can get rumbling downhill at a pretty fast pace uh, without necessarily being quick and agile.
0: And that wouldn't necessarily be representative of his normal pace.
1: Right, right. Um, yeah, so. The more I think about it, the less the kind of really rapid, almost twitchy movement that, like a, a small lizard, can do, um, doesn't fe- doesn't seem like. Yeah. Clowron. Um. Yeah, he does definitely need to be able to. Chef, shuff- I mean, we can't make him, like waddling along in front of the Flames of the Dagor Bragalak like a crocodile. I know crocodiles can move pretty quickly, but not for miles and miles and miles. Um,
0: I would also think that he's big enough to even, even just taking like one step or a set of steps, he covers an enormous amount of, you know, length, just because of his size, yes. you know?
1: He, I also think by the so I also think that he does his belly does not drag on the ground right I think that you could i mean he's got some i think there should be some clearance between his body and the ground, yeah, so again, I'm thinking, hmm. But at the same time, I don't want to totally indulge my early dinosaur-informed conception of a dragon at the expense of Tolkien's obviously more serpentine conception of a dragon. Um, I'm not saying that I think that we need necessarily be totally bound by the serpentine dragon, and I genuinely think that the... Purely serpentine dragon or almost purely serpentine dragon, does not seem to fit very well what is often described by Tolkien in his stories. Um, in particular, it is much harder for me to imagine a purely serpentine dragon doing to Lake Town what Smaug does to Lake Town. Um, but um, but yeah, well, check so-
0: out check out. I, I'm put I'm putting something into chat here, and it's the second image that's on. Oh crumbs! Where? I mean, okay. That should be it right there. I
1: hope. Hold on.
0: <laughs> yes, that is it. I just accidentally. Yeah.
1: Now, Robert, we literature. do get. An, okay. Uh, right there. Robert is reminding uh, us of the, uh, uh, you know, uh, tour seeing a, a slot like a huge furrow that passed away southward. He does leave a slot uh, behind him. But first of all, I would say that doesn't necessarily need to mean a slot in the grass, again, like he's dragging on the ground, Um, uh, like there would be a slot in bushes and trees. But the second thing, and this, by the way, so this painting, this Glaurung painting that's in the bottom right hand corner, uh, this Tolkien painting, um, was at the New York Tolkien exhibit um, when I went there uh, this past spring. And my favorite thing about this is the desolation because you can see the trees right around Glaurung are completely mm-hmm. dead, and the ones a little further away are dead on the sides <laughs> facing Glaurung, but still green on the far sides of the trees, right? So right. you can see this sort of withering effect. So, Robert, when I imagine the slot that Glaurung leaves behind, he totally leaves the track, not because I think he is um, forcing himself along the ground and leaving, like... a, a, a yeah, you know, like he's a belly. Yeah, like, yeah, like churning up yeah. literally a furrow uh, in the ground. It's like a huge furrow, right? Seen from a distance, but it's not an actual furrow in the dirt that he's that he's uh, that he's leaving. Instead, it, what you're seeing is like dead veget, you know, this slot of dead vegetation, mm-hmm. um, which certainly from a distance would look like a furrow. Well,
0: the second image on that link I just put into chat, um, he, it's interesting because it's got a pretty like non-lizardy body but there's a long tail and that tail could also you know be leaving a furrow
1: We're do you see that in there let let it see see it, right let's see if i can get this and put it on my screen okay. it's the
0: second image unfortunately the image itself doesn't have its own url so
1: okay let's see second image uh Oh, wait. No, oh, I'm getting the second image. I'm getting one looking like a bird.
0: Um, oh, no, second
1: scrolling down. Sorry.
0: So scrolling down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, uh, right, right. Hang on a second. Let me find that there. Sorry, uh, I'm making you okay. do. Got it. All
1: right. <laughs> hang on a second. Let me pull this over. You're going to
0: do some magic.
1: Right. Well, not exactly, but okay, here we go. So these are two things. First, this is a Spinosaurus, which Nick was suggesting as an example of something yeah, with a interesting. sort of low slung, but ground clearance. So just, right. I, we wouldn't do the spine on top, I, I wouldn't think, but uh, no, and it's, yeah, so you wouldn't have to look exactly like this, but just body shape. Um,
0: and prehistoric overtones, you know, it's mm-hmm. probably not a bad idea.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the dragon that you were suggesting is this yeah. one, yes. Yes. That looks kind of
0: interesting to me.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm definitely okay with certainly a very long tail, right? Something sort of worm ish. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, let's see. Hang on a second. Let's see if I can get another one. Uh,
0: uh-huh, uh-huh. A Rage Drake. Hmm. There you interesting. Go.
1: Oh, yeah, there we go. Was, uh, um, good uh, Robert's link there is a direct link to the to this image actually. Oh, um, oh, excellent. okay. Okay, so yeah, now this looks I think this is a little too much ground clearance for me. The le- <laughs> his legs look almost almost feline. You know what I mean? Like in the way they're jointed and things like it, it looks like he yeah. would move like a cat. um, Which I think is not, I think I would want him to be a little bit more lizard-like um, than, uh, the, yeah, JJ Two was saying it looks kind of feline. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's see. All right. All right, hang on, Nick, I'll try to get your rage drake in here which looks We may really have to
0: vote point. on dragons the way we vote on cast members.
1: Oh yeah, there's the rage drake from D. Oh yeah, okay.
0: okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, again very feline, especially in the in the in the in, in the legs especially. That's 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 a little too much leg for me. Again, the whole th- this body type doesn't say Reptile to me it's uh, it it the 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 body plan here really looks more um, more feline i think um, now this dude's front legs are a little not quite i'd, I'd like a little bit more leg <laughs> than that but but anyway like, i don't even know how well that dude stands uh, or walks on his little on uh, tippy toes yeah it's a little. That's a little odd, um, but um, but anyway, yeah. Something like so, like if his front legs were just a little bit longer, uh, you could definitely imagine something like this trotting along at a pretty good clip, right? But I don't think that he would be whip-like fast with his body. Um, I could I could go for for a general body plan like this. I think. Body tending to be more sinuous and long, but not exactly sna- a little more bulk than pure snake. Um, legs such that he can hold himself up. It would have to be, again, we have to imagine him with his front legs on one side of the chasm and his back legs on the other side of the chasm. As for how, um, as for how Glaurung you know, comports himself in battle. Um, I think he would be more tank than speed. Again, he can, it's, he, he can move along. Um, but I don't think he would be like sudden rush out of nowhere kind of attack. I think that he would be more the... Um, uh, I think that his role in battle would be more like a tank than, um, like, yeah, something that's moving fast. Um, yeah. Um, (laughs) Bri is offering to just live draw for us until we land on the design in our heads. Yeah. I don't know. Something like that. Um, yeah, I, Chris, I, I would think he would be ground support for orc troops. So I Chris, what one of the, the one of the things that I imagine, um, in the Dagor Bragalach, right? I can imagine lines of elves, right? Shield and spear lined up and looking super impressive, right? Awesome armor and you know, they're just like they are an impenetrable wall that like no orc is going to be able to break through. And then Glaurung comes charging out of the flames and just busts through their line. Uh, you know, he just comes through like a ram, not like a sheep ram, like a battering ram, and uh, and blows open a hole in their line. And the orcs come pouring in after him. That's the kind of role that I can see him playing. Um, yeah, well, Nick, I hear you. Uh, Nick wants something to distinguish their role from that of Balrogs and trolls. To me, Nick, the prime thing there is the fire breathing, right? The fire breathing gives him a kind of missile, uh, uh, um, you know, ranged effect that trolls certainly don't have, um, other than possibly throwing rocks, which is just not the same. Um, so, yes, Rachel with his fire he would be more like artillery um short range artillery um than like uh than like cannon um yeah now rihanna and i agree with you he well all right hang on a second i was about to agree with you rihanna but i want to pause for first um does he does he grow is he a juvenile like really juvenile? How are we going to handle that? I guess, because it, honestly, it seems to me a little weird for Morgoth to be like, okay, Mr. Recruit Maya, I'm going like, to put you in a baby lizard, and you'll grow up. Don't worry, you'll grow up. right?" Um, like That seems a little strange to do. Hmm. Um. Yeah, no, I know it says he's not grown to his full strength. I'm just trying to decide exactly what that means. Because again, I can't imagine Morgoth actually making him like really a juvenile. Like, here's this adolescent monster. I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to put you in this adolescent monster's body. and, And then, you know, and then we'll watch you grow up and it'll be adorable. Um, I don't, That doesn't make much sense. Again, I'm not trying to depart from what the text says there. I, that needs to be true. I think that's fine. Um, uh, yeah, Rachel, something more like him adjusting to his new form? Or, um... I mean, we can show the process as being gradual. That is the process, the, you know, him, the changes that happen to the body of the creature, right? So maybe, for instance, he doesn't have his hide, for instance, is not scaly and hard at the beginning. Maybe it's more leathery at first. And it's like in this process of, I don't know, sort of Upgrading exactly, Robert. Robert says the scales are an aftermarket add-on, uh, and he didn't finish the procedure yet. Exactly, something like that. Um, yes, Rhiannon. Exactly. So he's in a full-grown body, um, and Morgoth is investing him with more power, um, with more power over time. Yes, exactly. Um, so we could have several stages in the process. Stage one is the investment in the more sort of lizard-like body, not the really hard scales, uh, not the the really hard scales, maybe not the fire even yet. Do we need him to breathe fire in this first battle? Do we need that? That's a good question. We probably do. Morgoth could start with that.
0: And if he does breathe re- fire, is he gonna be good at it in the right. first battle
1: okay, yeah, we did kind of want him to burn down trees. no, that's fine, we can um 'cause so that can be so the first so phase one right, he puts him in the monster, and the monster maybe gets bigger and you know uglier and um stronger, like more physically powerful, but he still has like leathery skin and he invests him um. Uh, he invests him with fire-breathing abilities. Right? So that's like sort of phase one. And in fact, it can be in direct response to um, it, it can be in direct response to the attacks of, you know, the successful attacks of Fingen, uh, that he ends up getting scales, right? So they upgrade him uh, there later on. Um, yeah, no, he's totally a real threat, Nick. I, get, I think physical size, I think he should be He should be similar to that. You know, maybe he gets a little bit bigger, but, um, uh, but no, he, he would be definitely, uh, large and he would be, um, fire breathing. Fine with having that at the beginning. And then they upgrade him. JJ says Morgoth hooked him with the starter kit, but didn't tell him about the expansion packs he'd have to buy. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, and I'm fine I am fine with upgrading him from real threat at the end of season 4 to you know monstrosity, like terrifying monstrosity in the Dagor Bragalak and part the armor that he has can be part of that. I mean, he's going to look different and really imposing, right? Um, and ooh, I have an idea. What if he changes color too. Um, that is like at first he's kind of maybe just kind of dark, right? Um, uh, and the he he gets uh, you know yeah exactly he's sort of drab at first, uh, and then when he gets his armor he he not only is like like now I'm more scaly right, but he's also like. He's resplendent. He's gorgeous, like and 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 really imposing. More like these gold scales going on here in this, uh, uh, you know, in this in this Asian dragon here in the middle. Um, that I think is uh, is is pretty cool. Um, yeah, no, not not armored like a lobster, Robert. Again, I again, I'm I'm thinking something like that, like overlapping plates. Scale. He's got to still have scales, right? Um, but scales that look like overlapping, they, they they can look metallic, almost like armor, right? Um, and again, so when you think about the language of the book, the language of the book does imply growth, right? Like he's getting older and growing up. And of course, we already have a parallel to that in Smaug, right, who was just a young dragon and tender, right? Um, and now he's, you know, strong, you know, he's old and strong uh, as he Boasts to Bilbo, but Smaug had the advantage of actually being born or hatched or whatever dragons are done. Are they oviparous or viviparous?
0: That's a good question. I, I think, think they're oviparous.
1: You think they're oviparous? Mm-hmm. I guess dragon eggs are kind of a traditional thing. Mm-hmm. It's a fairly common trope. Hagrid, right? Hagrid Didn't have a dragon egg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, okay, they can be oviparous. It's fine. So ever so again, uh, smaug unlike Glaurung, Smaug came out of an egg, right? Um, so um yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's uh let's yeah, I think dragon eggs are a pretty well-established trope. So we'll uh, we'll we'll say they're oviparous. Anyway, okay. Sorry. So will that will that satisfy do you guys think will that satisfy the upgrades? For, I mean, I don't want to make it look too video gamey, right? I don't want to make it look like, you know, and now like he went back and got some uh got some swag and and uh, you know, um improved his gear and his armor class and now He he's, leveled up. Right, exactly. We don't want to make it look campy like that. Um uh, but anyway, um I think that we can make it... But anyway, the point I was making about the Silmarillion language there is that certainly that's going to be... Whether or not he is, in fact, growing from juvenile form to adult form, that is certainly how it's going to look to the elves, who only meet him the twice, right? Once when he is smaller and more vulnerable, and then later when he is larger and more impressive and fully armored. Um, So... Yeah. Yeah. I think that um uh there someone describing that is going at least is is certainly going to use a metaphor of growth at least. Okay. Um good. Uh so let's see. Um <laughs> I agree. The folks of Nargothrond would love to have met him only twice. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, Okay. So, I have now totally forgotten what our next slide is about. Oh, yeah, something different. Okay, so last question then. What do we want to show or not show with Glauron? What do we want to show or not show? Do we... Um. Yeah, I definitely agree. Less is more. I'm fine with the with the you know the having a shocking reveal uh, when he finally comes out. You know, having the recruited spirit gives us an opportunity here. There had been discussion. Several of several people on the discussion boards were arguing for wanting to hear Glaurung speak. Like wanting to have, overhear conversations or or hear them talking about it or something like that um, we could accomplish that without spoiling the surprise at all by having just introducing them to the Maya character earlier in this season right um if at some point um if at some point they're like uh. Hey, like new recruit. Here's this guy, right? And we could meet him. We can see him on screen. It wouldn't be hard. Um, again, the 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 Maya, the Maya who's going to become Glaurung, right? You know, uh, Proto Glaurung, the the Maillard dude, can show up, and he can show up in like anthropomorphic form. Why not, right? He could do that. So we can you know, we can we can. Uh, in fact, it might kind of set up the surprise. Kind of interestingly, right? Morgoth could hint, right, that uh, there is a new, you know, that like there's this new weapon, like he had, th- there's this new ally that he is going to unleash upon the elves, and then we meet him, and he's not super impressive, right? Um, I don't know. Um,
0: By the way, I know we already have one of these, but I honestly think that the the person who who turns into Glarot needs to be a ginger.
1: Sauron's already a ginger. I know, I know. Yeah, But I'm um, thinking fire, you know. No, see, no, he shouldn't be, because he only gets the fire. Well, he the fire oh, trinity. he gets the
0: fire. Oh, okay. So he should maybe be a, like Keanu Reeves.
1: That would be good. <laughs> not Keanu Reeves. <laughs> not, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> not Keanu Reeves. Like Keanu Darn. Reeves, except not, in fact. Except not? Keanu Reeves, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you're no fun. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. Now Nick, I know you've already done the plots for all the earlier episodes, but like, you know, it's it's no big thing, right? To go back and like add the uh <laughs> add in stuff. Right? You know there are rewrites, that's the way it rolls. Exactly. Yeah. We can be flexible with this. I I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, whatever, the point is, what I'm saying is, I'm not necessarily advocating for this. What I am saying is I remember there were lots of suggestions that people on the discussion board were making about like overheard conversations and like hints and foreshadowings of what was to come. And I think it would be kind of fool, uh, kind of cool, not fool. Kind of cool uh, to have like we know that he is going to he know, we know that Morgoth has a plan. We know that his plan involves the new guy right? Whose name is not Glaurung yet, right? Um, it's something else, right? We get introduced to this guy, and and, and and Morgoth is like, it's okay, I've got a plan, and this guy is the plan. And the audience is going to be like, dude, what does this guy bring to the table, right? Why, you know, it'll be kind of mysterious, and kind of, you know, we'll really be sort of wondering. And then... Um, And then all of a sudden, wham! Right, you know, he come like the dragon comes on screen and breathes fire, and we're like, "Whoa, dude! Okay." Um, So yeah, that's um, that's um, that I think would be cool, right? That would be that would be a way. All all I'm saying is that's a way that we could kind of have our cake and eat it too, right? That is, we could both introduce Glaurung, you know, earlier to his reveal at the end. Without ruining the surprise of the reveal. So if we wanted to do that, that's a way that that could be done. That's what I'm saying. Um, Yes. Yes. Um, You're right, Nick. If we did that, it would be like the dragon was part of this season's plot arc. Yeah. It would almost look like that. Or at least we could contrive to make it look like that. Now, I agree, as with Chris Graham, that, you know, as uh, Tolkien fans and even, of course... Further, as uh, uh, people who are undertaking a creative project based in Tolkien's world, um, we we sh- we should really be good with retconning, right? You know, this is a thing we should be willing to be flexible about. Um, but anyway, okay. So that's the last suggestion I wanted to make about Glaurung. That I think that his character could be introduced that way and integrated. We we, we could we could work him into the um, the Angband subplot of the season in that fashion without giving anything away. That was always to me, the biggest issue. Um, I didn't want to have too much, too many hints, uh, you know, and, and I thought it would be kind of a little much to have him just like speaking out of the darkness or something and never being seen until the end that could be done. But I, I wasn't a really big fan of that. Um, but this would be a, a way in which it would be interesting because we, we won't know the form in which he takes until the end. Okay. All right. Um, let me just run through a couple of other things relatively quickly. We're going to end uh, soon, but, um, uh, naming of extras. Uh, so, okay. So we've got uh, some suggestions, uh, for two important minor characters, uh, Bard's wife Uh, so there are lots of things here. Um, I kind of like, uh, my, my favorite choice here would be Ragna or Ragni. Uh, this one is my favorite. Um, as if I recall correctly, the role that we were envisioning for her was more along the line of like wise woman, um, that she would be the, uh, primary counselor, um, for Bard. So I, I kind of like the 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 name uh that that name there. So Hakan's suggestion? Of course it was. Hakan has such good taste. Um so yeah, no, I I, I like that. So uh, Ragna or Ragni would definitely be my choice. Ragna, I think, but it would be my favorite, but either would work. Uh Kelborn's sister um Galithil? I like the gala uh stem in there explicitly. Um so yeah. Galathiel would be my choice. It's a little close to Goadriel, uh, which, you know, uh might um uh oh, see yeah, exactly. So uh, Marie says Galathiel's on the family tree as the brother, right? Yes, I'd I'd forgotten that. But yeah, sure. Um so yeah, that or or, or a version of that sounds I think that would be great. Um, okay, now we need names. Well, I'm not going to be able to come up with names on the spot. Um, for Anil's wife and son, Karanthir's wife, uh, Maglor's wife, if she's not in Valinor. Yeah. And a random dwarf of Belgast who is with Telkar. Right. Now, uh, I'm kind of thinking the random dwarf of Belgast who is with Telkar can be Dwarf number two in the credits. I mean, I don't know that he needs to be named on screen. Um, nor am I sure. I mean, unless we're going to make of him a character, I mean, unless this is going to be, you know, Telkar's disciple who will become an important craftsman in the future. Um, uh, you know, if we want to have that, but that's only if we need that. Are we going to need another named dwarf craftsman after Telkar? Um, I mean, we're going to have other interactions with dwarves, but I'm not sure that we need another artifact maker. You know what I mean? So, in other words, like, I am not really sure that we need a a name for him. I, I think we only need a name for him if he's going to become a character in his own right in, like, the next dwarvish generation. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, Nick, I'm totally open to having actual dwarf plots, Uh, and that's something we can certainly be thinking about. I mean, we have—if you think about the total dwarf action that we're due in the rest of the Silmarillion, it's comparatively small, right? We've got the big thing, which is, of course, the destruction of Doriath and the murder of Thingol. Um, we've of course got the whole meme situation, uh, which we've already talked about to some extent, um. Uh, again, we have the dwarves who destroy Doriath. We have um, uh, of course the, the the heroism, right, in the Dagor Bragalach. Um, but that's um... But yeah, that's um... relatively little. So Nick, I agree. If we want to have... I'm totally game, uh... I'm totally game to be thinking of some further Dwarvish stories and thinking about the further development of like what is the overall story arc of, you know, Nogrod and Belagost, um, th- you know, through their destruction um, uh, at the end of the, you know, at the, at the end of the, the War of Wrath when the Blue Mount- most of the Blue Mountains sink. Um, but even beyond that. Right? What are there survivors of you know those people of you know the the uh, uh, you know of those clans into the second and third ages? If so, where are they, and what do we want them to be doing? Um, you know, what kind of role do we see them playing in the second and third age? Um, yeah, no, no. So Nick, I'm totally game with thinking about that big picture for the for the the story of the dwarves of Nogrod and Belagost. Um, so that we can be, I mean, I don't know that how much time we're going to have to like, really develop uh, full new plot lines. I mean, it's. It'll be almost all completely off script. Again, apart from those few things, it seems to me the most important thing that we can do is kind of contextualize those few moments better. We could have
0: a bonus episode.
1: It could be the Christmas special. <laughs> the Christmas special. Yeah. It <laughs> would be like a bonus season, right? Um Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I don't know. I, I will will that we that's certainly something we can talk about in season 5 uh as we're moving forward, but um Yeah. Yeah. Um Hey, Nick was suggesting we could split the Baron and Luthian season into two and counterpoint it with an elf-dwarf romance. Yeah, everybody loves elf-dwarf romances. That went over a treat last time. Uh, so absolutely, I think that's uh, a great suggestion, Nick, and we should totally consider that. Okay, I'm done considering that. But anyway, uh, we can do something or other. Um, anyway, so I- again, I-, I think... um Yeah. We can we can give him a name uh, if we want to again if we're gonna have him become something and I suppose I suppose we should uh, because Telkar is a really big deal so you know if this dude who is with her um, in uh, you know in these episodes is her apprentice um, you know then uh, it, he will become a big deal in the next generation. Uh, you would think. So that would be fine. Again, I don't think it's an absolute necessity for season four. I don't think it need come up. Um, I don't think he ever need be named on screen. I mean, it's um, you know, he needn't be introduced by name. In fact, that could even be a thing, right? He 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 has not yet made his own name, right? He is still a student, right? So he would only be introduced as like the you know the apprentice or the disciple of Telkar, because um, that's all he is yet. He's not made his own name yet maybe, something like that, right? Um, So he doesn't even need to be introduced. If he is introduced, he can be introduced indirectly, and nobody ever has to address him directly by name, so I don't think that would be difficult. Um, But, um, anyway. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, he's leading the dwarves that contact Karinthir. Yeah. Okay, well, then he is going to need a name, isn't he? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, no, that's fine. I i I'm pretty flexible. I'm not super picky about names. Um one of the many ways in which I'm very different from Tolkien. So, um I'm I'm game for any suggestions you guys have uh on these things. The question of whether or not Magor's wife is in Valinor or not. I like it. I like the idea of Magor's wife, Maglor, you know, being separated from his wife. Just mostly because, I, I, you know, that needs to be a thing that happens in more than one or two cases, right? Um, so, sure, yeah. I mean, I I, th- I think that there can be, you know, having Maglor as the more solitary and sort of melancholy character in this way, um, I think is... Fine. Now, again, I'm just, this is me being completely extemporaneous about this. So if you guys have plans for Maglor's wife, if you really don't want her to be in Vaun, it's fine. Totally. I'm easily convincible on that point. Um, I have to admit, I, I, I'm just saying that I find the idea of Maglor being alone and melancholy a little bit attractive, but it's fine. If you guys want her, we can have her. No problem. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, Good. Um, Do we need Anel's wife and son? No, I'm sure it's fine. But yeah, I guess I I don't have... I'm not going to be able to make suggestions. Um, But these are definitely good things for us to be thinking about. Um, Karanthir's wife. What's Karanthir's wife like? I would think she'd be one of two things, right? She would either be, um, yet yeah, long-suffering, says Marie. Yeah, she would either be quiet, patient, and, you know, uh, you know, bossed around by her jerk of a husband, or, she, and I'm not saying she has to be weak, um, but, again, so she could either be, you know, sort of that kind of, um, that could Just the quiet wife in the background. Or she could be a really vocal character. But I would have to think if she were a vocal character, she would be almost as much of a jerk as Carinthyr would. Um, yeah, exactly. Similarly, gruff and strong-willed or almost completely silent uh, and in the background, I would think. Um, whichever you think works best uh, for Carinthyr, uh, for, Carinth- for the whole Carinthyr's wife situation. Myself, i would I would incline towards long-suffering. I mean, we can give her a cool story. Um, like, for instance, I would be totally down with a plan where we give where Carinthier's wife is this like quiet, shy, introverted, long-suffering, you know, oppressed individual who, at some point, some significant point down the road. Just, she's had it, right? Uh, And she stands up to Karinthir, walks out from Karinthir, opposes Karinthir. In one of the kinslayings, turns and fights on the other side, because she is so fed up with that kind of thing um uh she falls him into the second kinsling and stabs him. Nick, I was thinking of something a little more open than stabbing him in the back, but um but yeah, I mean we know that that we know that some of the fanorians turned again. No, that was in the third one at the uh you know in, in in the bay of balor, but still. Um have her be you know sort of meekly suffering in silence until the day that she stops meekly suffering in silence. Um would be I think probably my vote for—that's assertive, right? That would probably be my vote for Caranthir's wife. Um, If we don't want Maglor's wife, if we if we want Maglor's wife to be in Middle Earth with him, I would think she would have to be musical too. I think that, or like, you know. (laughs) I don't know, I mean, if she's, if she's a dancer to his music, you know, we'd have Maglor be the second greatest musician and her be the second greatest dancer, right? So, you know, poor Mr. and Mrs. Maglor playing, you know, always playing second fiddle to, you know, Dairon and Luthien. Um, but I, I would think she would accompany him. You know, she would be a musician as well, would be my thought, if she's, um, if she's around. I'd vote for her to be absent, but like I said, I don't want to stand against, uh, to, uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, put an obstacle in the way of a plot line you guys are already thinking of, if you're thinking of it. Um, yeah. Okay. Good. Anil's wife and son, I got nothing. I'm not really sure there. I think that is going to depend on how we're going to do the story of Anil and his struggles, with the Spell of Bottomless Dread. Um, uh, What role his wife and son would play would be really dependent on the the way that we wanted that to play out for him. Um, So, yeah, yeah. And I'm not really sure. I don't see really clearly. Of all of the Spell of Bottomless Dread victims that we've thrown out there, Unile's is the one that I don't see as clearly. Uh, that I see least clearly, I should say. Okay. Passage of time. Well, I don't think we have time to talk about that one, ironically. Let me talk about this one briefly. Turgen's armor. Under Omo's direction, Turgon will leave a suit of armor in the throne room at Nevrast when he leaves for Gondolin. What should it look like? Um, I think it should... Uh, and, Maria, I forget who it was maybe it was you um on the discussion boards who was talking about how the whole swan wing motif is going to be you know that's a that's a that's an armor motif that's never going to go away right after gondolin um and you know all the way down to the you know the guards of the citadel in minas tirith that was um Harangil, yeah uh anyway yeah so um i um i i I agree that's 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 really important, so I think my primary thought about this is that it should it should be reminiscent of, though of course, a precursor to a distant precursor to, not following after, obviously. Um, let me say it the other way around. I think there should be a reason why the guards of the Citadel are given swan wings on their helmets. Um, I think that it should be a direct recollection of Tuor's armor. That is to say, my association with it, um, he should look like a sentinel. He is a watchman. He is So when he comes in, he is, he's a message bearer, but he's not a courier. Right. You know, he comes in and the you know, there's a way in which the suit of armor is sort of left um uh you know, and it's kind of looking forward, it's it's sort of it's it's anticipating. It's like the suit of armor has been, you know, standing vigil there, uh uh, you know, um in Vinymar for all that time. Um but um he comes when he comes, he, Tuor, comes to Gondolin. He comes as message-bearer, but again, he's not just as courier, right? Um, he comes delivering a warning. He comes uh, announcing the danger that is... Uh, that is you know, he... It's, I can feel a real confluence between the role of Tuor standing and delivering the message of Ulmo to Turgon Um. And, you know, the guards of the citadel being an echo of that same kind of move, right? Uh, So to me, that's the important... Which means I don't think the armor needs to be like heavy-duty plate mail, right? It should not be necessarily knightly. He shouldn't look like a knight in armor, I think, when he's wearing it. Um, but, uh, But it should be... It should be like, as I say, the armor of uh, the armor of a sentinel, and I do think that it should have a swan motif, um especially since think of the effect of that with the swans, right he's following the swans um, there, and so when he sees the swan wing on the armor that the swans led him to is you know one of the. Fairly clear indicators that, yeah, this armor is for you. Uh, you should, you're totally supposed to wear this. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah, um, good. So, that's my sense about that. Okay, so. Passage time. We'll come back to the passage of time, right? Let us suspend the passage of time, uh, and we'll return to that uh, at another point. Um, uh, maybe we can talk about that at the beginning next time, because when we're discussing episodes eleven and twelve, it's. Going to begin to be relevant, right? So maybe we can we can fold that into that discussion next time, on the subject of Wix next time. So we're going to have a little bit of a delay uh, because again we've got I've got a conflict in two weeks. So our next session will be three weeks from today on September twelfth. Uh, Thursday, September 12th at 10pm Eastern Time, and we're going to be discussing Episodes 11 and 12. So yes, we will have the building of Nargothrond and Gondolin, the character assassination of Norn. Wow, okay, tell me how you really feel about that. Um, the eviction of the petty dwarves, Thingol discovering Celeborn knew about the Kinslings. We've got high drama in uh, in Doriath in the, with the engagement of Celeborn and Galadriel. That's the stuff that it's... Uh, that's the stuff that it, that it's all that it's all gonna have. Um, oh, Rhiannon, I love the idea of the um, the armor of Tuor having an emerald upon its breast. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's make that happen. And on his breast, an emerald. Love the idea. Um, cool. Yes. Um, we should be remembering it. Um, so just as we should be recalling Tuor's armor when we see the guards of the Citadel in Minas Tirith, we should also be recalling Tuor's armor when we see Aragorn with his LSR. Right. Um, okay, cool, awesome. Uh, very good. So thanks everybody for joining us tonight. We will be back in three weeks on September 12th at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And I will say, as always, thanks for listening and Godspeed.